Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the All Personal Podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal and nothing is just business. Here we feature the stories of people like you and me who discovered the unique set of skills that took them where they are now and will take them even further on in their journey. I've been looking forward to this conversation today and let me tell you why. I'm speaking with Bob Sager, who is the founder of Spearpoint Solutions, LLC. Bob's professional background includes experience in financial planning and residential real estate. He is a consultant and trainer on personal achievement and practical innovative thinking. Among other accomplishments, Bob is, hear me out, the inventor of the innovative creative ideas game called What's the Big Idea? He is also the uh, creator of the inspirational poster Impossible is an Opinion, author of the personal achievement book Discovering Your Greatness, a higher level thinking and action guide, and he is also curator of content for and contributing author to the book Living a Wealthy Life, Stories of Gaining an Abundance in All Five Forms of Wealth. Now, the buzzword for me creativity. So let's get creative today. Bob, welcome and thank you very much for being here today. Roxana, it's my pleasure to be with you. I was reading your um, short bio and um, it's very impressive, I have to say. And you do so many cool and creative things. Uh, And I wanted to ask you, has it always been this way for you? I mean, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your beginnings and how you got to do what you do today. Listen, that is a fantastic question to start with. And and the short answer is no. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And in fact... Roxana, until about 2011, so that's not very long ago, I really didn't consider myself to be a creative person. I, I know that seems odd with all of the different creative work and, and doing the training with innovative and creative thinking that we do now. Yeah. If you want to delve into the background on why I think that is, I can talk about it. Uh, otherwise, I don't want to be boring. No, I don't think it's boring because I think I've heard so many people saying that I'm not the creative kind or stuff like that. So, no, I think that's actually super interesting. Well, uh, so I'll give you a little background on it. Um, I believe that we are all born as creative beings. I think that's something inherent within us. In fact, if you look at children, especially preschoolers, that's all they do all day long is learn new things and imagine new possibilities. That's incredible. And it's, it's really, it's kind of one of the vital parts of life. Um, but then kids, including me, we go to formalized structured school and that's no longer fostered and encouraged. And in some cases it's actively discouraged Mm. and, uh, you know, and, and I think that's almost worse in today's educational environment 
because teachers are under such pressure, at least in the U.S., to uh, sort of teach to a test result. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it leaves very little room for any autonomy in the classroom. And, and so when that's not deemed to be important to pass the test, it doesn't get talked about much. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you what my personal experience was. And I, I still remember the moment. I'm in my mid-50s. And I still remember the moment in seventh grade when I came to the conclusion that I wasn't creative. And I'll tell you what happened to me is they were in seventh grade art class trying to teach us to do calligraphy. And personally, I think calligraphy is beautiful. I, I just, I, I love it. I think it's gorgeous. My wife is so talented. She can do calligraphy freehand. She doesn't even need a calligraphy pen. Wow. But for me, but for me, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much sort of extra little tips and pointers I got from the art teacher, I never could make those letters look right. And it would just, it was so frustrating to me because I wanted to make something beautiful, but I couldn't. And I, I just, I came to the conclusion in my mind, it was a significant emotional experience for mm -hmm. me because it was very frustrating, right? And it, you can tell 40 years later, it stuck with me. Yeah. And so I came to the conclusion in my mind, Roxana, that I'm not an artist, but I equated that with I'm not creative. Okay. Right. So, and look, artistic creativity, that's only one little narrow part of creativity, mm -hmm. right? And, and especially in today's world, more creativity, more innovative thinking really needs to be the order of the day and and um but people are not um they're not versed in how to go about tapping into that part of themselves mm -hmm. yeah it's such a beautiful distinction that you made between you know being an artist and being creative and 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 look artists are creative too right yeah but you you know you either have sort of that natural artistic talent that obviously you have to work on it and, and uh, develop it. You know, my brother-in-law is just an amazing artist. He just, I like, I look at the incredible work that he does and, you know, I just so admire it. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know? Um, but creativity is, uh, is prevalent, I believe in all, uh, successful enterprises, whether that's an artistic endeavor of some sort, or whether it's a business endeavor that's successful beyond average, whether it is a not-for-profit organization that's doing things uh, in an exceptional way, mm -hmm. they're all thinking about things in new and creative ways. Right. And so how my mind was changed was... I had started a new company, had been going at it for a couple of years, and we were having okay success, but we weren't really having the kind of success that I wanted. You know, uh, I'm not uh, the kind of person that likes to settle for average. Mm -hmm. And so I said, what we really need is we need to, to, we need some better ideas on how to go about marketing, how to go about really sort of painting the picture for people, what we do, but our, 
I, at that point in time, I didn't consider myself to be creative. So I'm like, I can't come up with better ideas. But I, I said, you know what? Maybe there are some books on mm-hmm. thinking creatively. And I said, I've learned a lot from books and, you know, applying the knowledge over the years. And so I, I looked around a little bit and I found out there are some books on creative thinking. And I discovered one by uh, the author's name is Michael Machalko, mm-hmm. and the book is called Thinker Toys. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the, the child's uh, toy, Tinker Toys, only with yeah. an H. Very creative title, naturally. And that book is full of probably, there's at least 12 to 15 dozen different creative thinking methods in that book. And what I discovered about creative and innovative thinking was that if you don't view yourself as being creative and you are not used to thinking in those ways, initially, some of those uh, methods, they seemed a little complex to me because they're foreign, right? Right. It was sort of like driving a car for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it just looks so intimidating, right? And it, But, you know, after you drive for a while, um, you know, you can tune the radio and uh, not even really consciously think about it and, and exactly. you just do it. Yeah. So, so, but I discovered one technique in that book. It's called, at least Einstein called it, combinatory play, which sounds complex, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I later learned, by the way, that that this technique was both Einstein and da Vinci. It was their favorite creative thinking method. Wow. And, and the more I started just kind of playing around with a little exercise that was in the book, mm-hmm. I started, sh- frankly, shocking myself at both the quantity and quality of ideas that I started generating. And, uh, and it, do, are you interested in a short explanation on what combinatory play is? Yeah, because it sounds scary. So let's take the, uh, <laughs> the scaring part out of the equation and try to <laughs> simplify it a little bit. That's it. Listen, it's very simple. It's very simple. Uh-huh. And it's something that, that it's something that your listeners can actually do right where they are, where, yeah, wherever okay. they're hearing this interview, they can do it wherever they are. All combinatory play is, is taking one thing and combining it with something else and seeing what that combination, what third, fourth, fifth possibilities occur. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Right. People do not think in words they think in pictures mm-hmm. so when i say the word if i say the word dog a picture of a dog pops up in your mind right if i'm if i say the word computer mm-hmm. a picture of a computer pops up in your mind now when you start combining those things together if i combined dog and computer together there are going to be other possibilities that bubble up from my imagination mm-hmm Right or your imagination. If you're listening to this podcast and you start combining two things like that together, right? In fact, one of the exercises I like to give people to do is just look around wherever you are and and make a list of three, four, five, ten things maybe, and 
and start combining those things together. I do this just, it's almost subconscious. I'll be driving down the road, Roxana, and, and I'll combine different things that I'm looking at. I'll combine them together and see what other ideas pop up into my mind. And your imagination is this, this incredible fertile ground that when you start planting seeds in it, things start growing and, uh, and, and listen, and I invented a game using this technique and it never ceases to amaze me when people play that game and they start using this, uh, thinking method, frankly, they shock themselves at the ideas they start coming up with. Okay. So, right. So before you, you get into, cause I'm very curious about the game. And I definitely want you to explain a little bit about your game and how you got to in- invent the game. That sounds super cool to be a game inventor. But uh, I wanted to to ask you, so Bob, what you're saying is this exercise, we can do it anytime. And it develops our creativity because we combine things and we think about them endless basically possibilities um, and endless results from combining them without question i mean consider this in in a list of 10 words there are 90 possible combinations right Mm -hmm. and and in those 90 combinations if you've got two or three people looking at that same list of 10 words every person there that's looking at them they bring to that list of words their unique set of their background, their life experience, their knowledge. And, um, and so out of those 90 possible combinations, there is an almost infinite number of possible ideas that could emanate from that. Right. And you're only talking, and you're only talking about 10 things. Yeah. So the, the, the imagination of people is for all intents and purposes, infinite. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's great to hear because that means that creativity as a skill muscle basically can be developed because you need it at some point, like you needed it for your marketing to develop, to come up with better ideas and increase your, your marketing campaigns and you needed to get creative. So you needed your creativity muscle which you thought was completely inexistent or lost at some point. So you took it and you started to work on it and developed it with this exercise as well. And you reached a point where you are teaching creativity, you invented a game, and you teach other people how they can develop this creativity for themselves. That's, I think, that is an amazing work. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it, it's so incredible when I when I stop to think about it, Roxana. I almost have to pinch myself. This is like this is almost like living in a dream world because in the training that we do in teaching, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, this method is only one that that we teach, yeah. but in teaching people, they have such fun with this. And, but it's, but at the same time, when you're focused, because predominantly we're working with either uh, for-profit businesses or not-for-profit uh, companies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a, 
there's a financial objective in mind. So it it's fun, but it's productive at the same time. And uh, and and look, anytime that you can make uh, work, which for some people is kind of a four letter word, anytime that you can make work fun, then you're really on to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, because you mentioned fun, and I wanted to ask you right then because you know how it is—you listen to somebody and ideas pop in your mind. Uh, what do you think having fun? is important for creativity, for becoming creative? I think it's critically important. Look, human nature is when something feels like work, people want to do less of it, especially (laughs) when it feels like, you know, very drudgery oriented work. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but when it feels like fun, people want to do more of it. I mean, when's the last time, uh, you know, people watched a clock when they were playing a, a, a board game that they enjoyed or when they're playing a, a, a sport that they enjoy. It, it just doesn't happen because you're having fun doing it. And when you're having fun, you know how the old time, the old saying is time flies when you're having yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. It really does. And, uh, but it's, you, you don't want to quit it because it is not, it's not sapping your energy. It's actually giving you more yeah. energy because of the uh, because of the stimulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I just think that sometimes people become so so deeply involved in their work that they 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 don't even want to hear the word fun. They think fun means that they don't work. Without a doubt, and and frankly, um, as I was growing up. That's that was my view of work. Mm-hmm. That was my work was something that you had to do, not yeah. something that you got to do. And and so so I, I think you know early on that's was my expectation. And mm-hmm. um, but consider this, you know, uh, Michael Jordan was probably considered the the greatest uh, basketball player of all time, arguably at least. Well, he yeah. worked at he worked at his game, right? Mm-hmm. But for him, working was playing basketball and things surrounding basketball. Yeah, you know, uh, Stephen King is a phenomenally prolific writer, and he works at his craft. Yeah, right. Thomas Edison was an incredible inventor. Mm-hmm. You know, he he worked at inventing, and yet the whole time, you know, if you read biographies about him, he was. He was prolific and he was having fun because he was solving problems. And for him, that was his version of fun. And so it it is possible Mm -hmm. to have fun while you're working. Mm -hmm. So find the fun in what it is that you're doing or what you have to do, maybe. But there's a bit of fun that you can find in it anyway, if you look. And, And when you are having fun, Roxana, you're more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And when you're more relaxed, that's yeah. when you do your best work. Yeah. And that's when you're more creative, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we're at that point when you started to work on your creativity and develop it. And how did you get from that 
to actually getting to invent your game and please tell us more about about your game because it's um first of all it sounds really really fascinating but i'll let you talk about it (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so much fun and we've played it for uh, from with people as young as 10 years old and i think the oldest person that i've had uh you know, in a, a, an event where we were using the game was in his eighties. Uh-huh. And, uh, so, so it works for everybody. And, but how I came to invent the game was I, uh, the more I experimented around with this, uh, combinatory play technique. And frankly, it took, there was like 10 words in the book and I took and made myself an entire list of words. Mm-hmm. It was like three or 400 and it just started putting together random words. Random is important because r- random random combinations of words break your traditional thinking patterns mm-hmm. because people develop thinking in the same way, right? right? And in order to get better, innovative, creative ideas, you've got to break that thinking pattern and look at things from a different mm-hmm. angle. So I started doing that and I started experimenting around with some of the personal development clients that I was working with. I'm like, let's try this and see if this works for you just the same as it does for me. And without fail worked a hundred percent of the time. And I got thinking, you know, this is incredibly powerful and it would be phenomenally helpful for people if they use it consistently. And I said, but how can we get people to use that? You know, it kind of reminded me of the old saying that knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really only true to a degree. Knowledge is only powerful if you apply it. And so I knew this creative thinking technique, as fun as it was for me, I knew human beings being what they are, they wouldn't necessarily just apply it on their own. And and so the more I thought about it, um, it was sort of a conundrum to me. And I thought about it really hard for two or three weeks on, you know, how could we do this and how could we structure it where people would use it consistently. And I'm driving along in the car one day and it just popped into my head. It has to be a game because of the, some of the factors that we were talking mm-hmm. about before, you know, I knew, I knew first of all, that it had to have three elements based on my experience. I, it has to have some structure. It has to feel like fun rather than feeling like work, and it has to embrace competitiveness. And so the more I thought about those three things, just, you know, your subconscious mind works on things when you're not thinking about them. So it just sort of bubbled up from my subconscious. Hey, it has to be a game. And, and in fact, all these thoughts flooded up into my consciousness at once. What the title of the game was which is what's the big idea yeah with a question mark right um how it would be structured um you know what you would do with it how it would be utilized and it would just and originally um i had developed it as a board game had a prototype made and and all that stuff and then uh, I, i found that the more we used it in different events and stuff we never used the board so we ended up eliminating that but um the way the game works is you have three teams and team a is the inventor or entrepreneur. We sort of use that term interchangeably Mm -hmm. team B is the competitor. And then team C is the customer. 
And so both team A and team B get a set of 10 words. Um, I took my concept of the words that I had done and we just had them made into word uh, cards and they get a set of 10 words and they get three minutes and they're supposed to combine any two of those together and come up with an idea for a new product, a new service, or a new business and or an improvement on something that maybe even already exists. And Team B does the same thing, only with a separate set of words. And then at the end of three minutes, each team has come up with an idea, and they take one minute and present their idea to the customer team, and they tell what it is, how it works, and what the benefits are. And then the customer team decides... Do I like this idea better or do I like this idea better? And then uh, play moves around the board and each team plays each of those roles uh, at a given time. And um, as I started using that game in that format with people, it was just so much fun. In fact, we had we have two things that occur every time. And I played this game hundreds of times with thousands of people and we have two things that occur every time. First, people laugh their heads off. Yeah, yeah. They just, they giggle practically, right? Uh, and uh, But the other thing is you hear all the time is, wow, that's a really good idea. And, and, the, and Roxana, the creativity of people yeah. who even going into playing the game, they might not have even considered themselves to be creative and it is, it astounds me the creativity. But the other thing that I see that comes from it is people change their opinion of themselves. Mm -hmm. They'll play this game and in the course of 45 minutes or an hour, however long the training or, or introduction session is, they'll come up with two or three good ideas and and I've had people tell me this just straight out. It's like, you know, I, I'm a little sharper than I thought I was. <laughs> you know, I, I'm better than I've been giving myself credit for. And it just sort of reignites something inside them that maybe they've got something that they didn't realize. Yeah. But that connects exactly with what you said, right? Knowledge is only powerful if you apply it. And because they apply they feel powerful. They rediscover their their power of creativity in, in this example. But it's also more than that. I think it, it fosters collaboration and a sense of encouraging each other to come up with ideas and build on each other's idea. Without, without question. And that happens constantly, you know, in the course of, of playing the game. Uh, somebody will present an idea and then after, after the decision is made, whose idea is preferred, somebody will inevitably chime in with, Hey, you know what? I love your idea. And if you did this too, it would make it even better. They're like, Oh yeah, that's great. You know, it's just, it, it's so much fun. And, and, and when you can have fun, kind of like I alluded to before, when you can have fun and be productive at the same time, that's almost like a higher level of existence. Yeah. And it's a big, the, the transformation is big as well. Cause you said that they, they change their opinion on themselves and that's such a powerful thing to happen as, as a result of a training session, as a result of a, playing a game. Right. 
and, and I, do, do you mind if I tell you another thing that I see come out of these um, playing the game? No, please, because it just gets to complete the description. The other thing that I see that comes out of that, besides some actionable ideas, mm-hmm. you know, which is sort of the original uh, point, but I see that people are presenting in an environment that's non-threatening, right? So it's very much, uh, we talked about being relaxed and having fun. When you're relaxed and having fun, you can hone those skills of presentation in an environment that's non-threatening. And people who don't even really consider themselves uh, that they have that talent, they can uh, they can hone those skill muscles in that environment, and it, it really helps with that as well. You know what? I don't believe in that fear of presenting that is so much bigger than any other fear, even the fear of death. I know that what we do fear when we present or when we speak in public is being judged, and the judgment disappears in an environment where people have fun, where people are relaxed, you know they're not going to judge you, uh, but they're going to be there with you and participate in, truly participate. Well, and I had a, uh, I had a client tell me once, he just, he looked at me, he said, you know what the best thing about this game is, Bob? And I said, no, what? He said, when you win, you win. And when you lose, you still win. Right. Because <laughs> it really doesn't matter whether they choose your idea or not. You still came up with great ideas. And and some, look, Roxana, sometimes the challenge for people is you wouldn't think three minutes is much time to come up with an idea. But sometimes people will come up with three or four of them in that short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And they have then it's like a debate, you know, which one are we going, going to present and play with? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that is, uh, it's very rewarding when you see something that you have developed that really has that big of an impact on people. Yeah, I think for you, especially because, you know, hearing your story and starting from believing that you're not creative and getting to to do that and develop creativity in other people, helping them see themselves as creative. That's such a such an achievement. Um, And it's encouraging to know that, you know, if you take creativity as a muscle, as a skill muscle, you can work it out, you can train it and grow that muscle and really become creative in the way that you need to become creative. Right. Do you, would you mind if I give your listeners, because some of them are going to have the the game and some of them aren't, mm-hmm. but, but just for them, do you mind if I give them a short... Uh, this is like a homework assignment if you're okay. listening to this. We never had a homework on this show before, so let's do it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So here, here's your homework assignment. You look around the uh, room you're in. Don't do this if you're driving. But if you're if you're listening to this where you're stationary, whether you're listening to this at home or in your office somewhere, look around the very room that you're in and make a list of the first 10 objects that you see and uh, and write that list down and make it into two columns. Column A, put five words. Column B, put five words. And take and match up 
the top word in column A with the top word in column B, and then do the same thing with the second word in column B, et cetera. And by making those combinations and figuring out kind of like the dog and computer combination we were talking about before, you know, if, if I look around the room I'm in, you know, I see a door, I see a table, and I see a stool, I see my computer bag. So you get the idea. Just look around the room that you're in. I see draperies on the wall. Um, and so look around your room like that. Make a list of the first 10 things that you come to. Start combining each one of those together and write down what ideas occur to you just from combining those things. It doesn't necessarily have to be coming up with a new product, a new service, or a new business. It could be coming up with a new idea for how to uh, run your Girl Scout troop better. It could be an idea, just the very act of doing that starts stimulating that creative, imaginative faculty that everybody has, but most people haven't used since they were about five years old. Right. And if you do this often enough or regularly enough, you actually do that like subconsciously, right? Like you said we might end up like you doing that kind of combination without even thinking about it. You will without question. And, and developing and developing that creativity muscle is no different than developing anything else. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. And just like driving a car, the example I was using before, eventually you'll do that and you won't even consciously be thinking about you'll just ideas will just start bubbling up in your consciousness yeah well thank you for this homework i will you know what i will ask my kids as well (laughs) that's that's better homework than you ever got when you were in school absolutely yeah they'll love it i'm sure i won't i won't call it homework though because just the word you know, might. Yeah, we'll probably come up with it. I've got a game for you. Do it that yeah, way. Exactly. That <laughs> sounds better. It's more creative. Right. Let's play a fun game. <laughs> Let's play a fun game. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Bob. Yeah, it's it's going to be really useful. I've never had this before, but it, it's, you know, I, I said it before. It's super fascinating how we came to do it and how you came to master the skill of creativity. And, um, and also help other people realize how creative they are. So now we know you're, you have a strong skill muscle, right? Uh, that is creativity. And it's strong because you've worked on it and you've trained it. Are there any skills, muscles that were rather dormant and that you needed at some point and you, want, you wanted to, to also develop because you needed to? Did it work the same way with cre- as with creativity? Oh, it did. And mm. if you don't mind, I'll I'll share a story about that. Yeah. Um, when I uh, when I first um, I spent seventeen years in the financial services industry and kind of another lifetime now. But uh, when I first started in that industry, one of the things that we did is we did uh, financial seminars for people. And we invited people into the office to sit through and get some education about money products and how they worked and how that might apply to their uh, personal financial situation. And so when I first started, I was given an assignment that I was going to present the first third of an hour long seminar. So that was supposed to take me 20 minutes. 
and and I practiced it and I rehearsed and frankly, Roxana, I was just so nervous. I, I mean, shaking nervous. And 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 look, I had been in front of audiences before because I used to be a performing musician. So I had been in front of audiences before, right. but not doing that. And and so I remember it, it, it was almost like I couldn't see the people because I was so afraid. And and I presented everything and my part was supposed to take 20 minutes and it took 8. <laughs> <laughs> and so the gentleman who was supposed to be following me, I was supposed to introduce him and he was going to be waiting there at the door to come into the the uh um big conference room where we were and he was nowhere to be found because he wasn't expecting me to be done for 12 more minutes. And so I looked at my watch and realized it had only been eight minutes. And so I went and rounded him up. And before I did that, I looked at the people and I said, well, listen, you guys have been you know, great. And I really appreciate your time here. And there's a guy coming in after me and he's got some great more information to share with you. And he'll be right back. <laughs> So, so at least I was aware enough to think on my feet, but I, I went in to get him to tell him I was finished and he looked at me like I had two heads. And he's like, um, why are you here? <laughs> I said, I'm done. <laughs> I ran away. <laughs> yeah. I said, they're waiting for you. <laughs> so I got better. <laughs> Okay. So how was this journey of getting better? How did you get better? Look, all learning comes from doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, um, there's a difference in, in just knowing about something and actually yeah. knowing it. And, and the difference is conscious contact. Um, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I can go read a book watch a video and listen to an instructor on swimming. But I don't really know how to swim until yeah. I get into the water. And, and anybody who's learned any new skill, there are three phases to learning anything new. It doesn't matter what you're learning. There are three phases. They're awkward, mechanical, and natural. Mm -hmm. and, and when you're first learning to do something, driving a car is something most people uh, that are probably listening to your uh, podcast do. Yeah. When you're first learning to drive a car, it is, you are so uncomfortable sitting in that driver's seat. You, you've had a lot of experience as a passenger, but not much experience as a driver. Mm -hmm. And so when you're sitting in that driver's seat, the first few times it feels so awkward and so intimidating because it's unfamiliar. And then you move into a different phase where it's, it doesn't feel awkward anymore, but you still consciously have to think about everything that you're doing. You're doing it better, but you're thinking about it all the, you know, the whole time. And then over time, the more and more and more you practice, eventually it just becomes second nature. And now I guarantee everybody's had this experience where you're driving, especially a familiar route. And you'll leave your house or your business or wherever you're, and you're going to somewhere else yeah. familiar. 
And you arrive at your destination and look around and go, how did I even get here? <laughs> I, I don't even remember driving here. It's because you didn't have to consciously think about it anymore. Your, your conscious mind could be involved in other things while your subconscious mind took over and did something that you've done a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So the road to mastery is a lot of practice. Practice makes permanent. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and the better I, I used to hear it, practice makes perfect. That's really not true. No, um, exactly. if you're, if you're, <laughs> if, if you're, if you're, especially if you're practicing imperfect uh, methods, but it does make, but it does make permanent yeah. because, um, because it, you develop neural pathways in your brain yeah. and this is the pathway to get there. The same thing, the same, um, reason that most people don't end up thinking innovatively or creative creatively is because they've developed thinking patterns Mm -hmm. and this is the way you think about this particular thing and so it's by looking at it from a different angle one of the techniques uh, when one of the seminars that we do is centered around a concept called go opposite and uh and uh that has people the exercises that we work on there have people looking at things in the exact opposite fashion from what they know to be a fact and know to be true and know this is how it's done right and how do they come up with the opposite is it is it something that they come up with easily because i'm not sure if i'm used to doing something one way and uh, it's become such a habit, is it going to be easy for me to find the opposite? Well, it, not necessarily, um, if you're not mm-hmm. used to thinking in those ways. And that's why it's really good to have a facilitator that right. uh, that helps you. Uh, but I can tell you that sort of standard operating procedure on a job or an industry or a company is fairly easy for people to come up with. Now, starting to approach things in, in an opposite manner is a little bit different. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, go opposite. I know for a fact, or I may assume I know for a fact, that restaurants serve food. Right? That's a fact. Well, what if restaurants don't serve food? What if the patrons brought their own food? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What What if, uh, are you familiar with the old story called stone soup? No. Okay, you'll have to look that up sometime and, and mm-hmm. read about it. Um, I came up with a concept for a restaurant, and your your readers are welcome to your readers, your listeners are welcome to steal this because I'm not doing anything with it. But I came up with a concept for a restaurant where all restaurants do is provide the space and the drinks, and people bring their own food, and you just make it a potluck dinner for the people that are attending that night. Wow, such a cool idea. Isn't it? Yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing that can come. I mean, that may or may not be practical, but the more you kind of begin to look at things from a different perspective and consider what the exact opposite would be, you'd be surprised. When we do those trainings, we have people have some serious amazing breakthroughs Mm -hmm. because they're looking at something from uh they're considering it from a different angle that they'd never considered it from before right and uh, you know i was thinking because you were talking about these workshops and uh, what people need to do and the games that they play and the ideas that they come up with 
what is your audience? Because it from from outside, it may seem as if you have like the perfect audience for these kind of workshops, and they're all willing to participate, and they're they've done this before, and they're used to that, and it's they're all there and deeply focused on what you're telling them to do, isn't it? I don't know. I would imagine for some of your audiences, this would be a bit difficult to tap into because they're not used to that, are they? Well, they're not used to it. And and that's why even though, look, you could look all this stuff up and you could do it on your own. But there's something magical about having a facilitator Mm -hmm. that is that is walking you through it and has structured things in a way that that really helps people overcome their intimidation and and to a degree overcome their resistance um, because people get in a comfort zone right yeah. and when you and when you get in a comfort zone of this is the way that we do it then it's kind of hard to consider other things but my philosophy is just because something's quote unquote always been done that mm-hmm. way that doesn't really make it necessarily the best way it might be but what if it's not? I mean, how long would you how long would you want to continue to do things in a way that isn't the best way for your company or your organization, or frankly, isn't the best way to uh, compete? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not trying to come up with uh, innovative ways to do things, I assure you, somebody that you're competing with is. Yeah. And so, so the, the real advantage is people, people can copy what you're doing as a company, but they can't read your mind. And so if you are the kind of company who is constantly thinking innovatively mm-hmm. and, and applying the practical, I call it practical innovative thinking, the, what, you know, what we train on. And if you'll apply the, the practical innovative thinking to the furtherance of serving your customers better, then you'll stay miles ahead of your competition and you'll never become a commodity. Right. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And what you said about the competition and about them doing something that you're not willing to even try. It reminded me of the example of uh, Michael Jackson, who was uh, at some point woke up in the middle of the night and he said, butterflies, we need butterflies on stage. And he called his manager to tell him that. And he said, but why are you calling me now? Because if I don't tell you now, Prince is going to have them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so true. I mean, yeah, come up with something. Because if you don't, somebody else will. uh, Listen, without question. And and one of the things that I advise all the people that I work with is always, always, always carry a notepad or a digital voice recorder or make sure that you know how to use that on your phone. Because Mm -hmm. the more you start doing these things, the more you start looking for innovative, creative solutions, the more they're going to start occurring to you. And, but listen, ideas, even great ideas are often fleeting and it's very important to when you have uh, sort of an epiphany, you've got to get it written down now or recorded in some manner. And so um, I love, uh, I use an Android device and I love Google Keep because mm-hmm. it's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, it is a, a, an amazing 
uh, note-taking platform that's so easy to capture either through, uh, uh, through writing it down or they have a voice uh, method as well. I, I listen, a disclaimer, I don't know, own any part of Google. That's just, <laughs> that's just the device I use. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Good tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but actually, that's true. I mean, thoughts fly, ideas fly. So grab them before they, they go away for good. And sometimes you, listen, you'll wake up at three in the morning and have an amazing idea or what seems like an amazing idea. Well, you got to write those down or get them recorded some way. Yeah, that's a very good idea. <laughs> um, because you were talking about working with various audiences and because um, you mentioned the best experience and the how people used it and the, the feedback that they gave what was some maybe one of your difficult experiences and how how was it difficult what made it difficult and what came out of it a difficult experience for me yeah yeah, yeah. for delivering uh, one of your workshops like creativity oh okay um, you know, I'll tell you one of the most challenging uh, experiences that I had was I got invited to be a, a guest professor uh, in a design class um, locally here. I'm a little north of Cincinnati, Ohio in the U.S. And uh, I got invited to be a guest professor to come and do this game. Now, I did not realize until I got there that this design class had 70 students and I was used to using this in a relatively small group of people, you know, eight or 10. And so, so I get there and I'm like, okay, I think we're going to have to get a little creative. And so what we did is we, we did the game, we put the game into what I call the uh, television show Mm -hmm. format in that, they were already divided up into teams, design teams of five or six people each. And so they had 10 teams already. And what we did is we invited two teams to come up at a time and we made everyone else sort of our studio audience. Mm -hmm. And they, that studio audience of 50 people got to be the customer team and they got to to vote by their applause on which idea they thought was the best. So that was um it was a it was an unexpected challenge, Roxana, mm-hmm. but it was uh but it ended up being so fun. We were there for um and these are 19 and 20 year olds. Yeah, okay. We were there for and and their class was 3 hours. And so in that format, we ran ended up me running a little tournament, a competition. And we kept 70, 19, and 20-year-olds enthralled for three hours. Wow. It ended up being a lot of fun, but it was a totally unexpected challenge. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize the class was that big. Yeah, but that's when creativity saved the day, basically, right? You're on, that's where creativity helps in situations like that. Absolutely. Because you're able to adapt on the spot. Exactly. Absolutely right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. And guess what? We're at the end of our conversation already. I don't know. Um, time just flew by. It flies um, it flies when you're having fun, Roxana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was so much fun and it was so such an interesting discussion with you. And um, 
What I wanted to end this discussion with was a thought of wisdom. I know you already mentioned the Thinker Toys book, but is there any any quote or any thought or any anything inspirational that you would like to share with with our audience? Actually, you know, I have a little short story I'd like to mm -hmm. share with your audience if that's okay. Perfect. This is actually this is actually from that book Thinker Toys. Now, I don't know if the author uh uh wrote this story as an original uh, thought or um, if he adapted it from somewhere else. But I, I think it's very instructive for, for this conversation. It's the story of the five monkeys. Okay. Imagine a cage containing five monkeys and inside the cage, there's hanging on a string, a bunch of bananas with a set of stairs under it. A, a ladder, a set of steps under it. Mm -hmm. Before long, a monkey will go to the stairs, start to climb toward the banana. And as he touches the stair, all the monkeys get sprayed with ice cold water. After a while, another monkey makes an attempt to do this uh, and has the same result, get sprayed with ice cold water. Pretty soon, when another monkey tries to climb the stairs, the other monkeys will try to prevent it. Why? Because they have been sprayed with ice cold water. Now turn off the cold water, remove one monkey from the cage, and replace it with a new one. The new monkey sees the bananas and goes over to climb the stairs. To his surprise, all the other monkeys attack him. After another attempt and another attack, he knows that if he tries to climb the stairs, he'll be assaulted. <laughs> Next, remove another one of the original monkeys and replace it with a new one. The newcomer goes to the stairs and is attacked. The previous newcomer takes part in the punishment with enthusiasm. Do the same thing with a third monkey and so on, and eventually... You've replaced all the original monkeys who were there and got sprayed with ice cold water. And now none of the monkeys in the cage will attempt to go for the bananas. Oh, and, and, the, and listen, Roxana, the moral of the story is don't be a monkey challenge all assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I wanted to say. Such a sad story. And it's such a go on, be creative thing for yourself. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this. And look, it, <laughs> and people people do things and they don't sometimes don't even have any clue why they're doing them that way. Yeah. So one good question would be, am I a monkey right now? Or That's a good question. Yeah. Que question, yeah. question everything. Question yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great thought to share at the end of our conversation. And it's, uh, yeah, now it will haunt me, but that's good. As long as it prevents me from being a monkey. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob. It was so great to have you here. Well, it's my pleasure to be on with you. I had a lot of fun. And uh, I hope you all had a lot of fun, too, and have started to ask yourself some tough questions as well. Maybe even the monkey one. And this time, for the first time, actually, we've also had homework, which in good old creative fashion is good because homework just became a game. So let's remember, we can play on and have some fun while working our creativity muscles out regularly. So until next time, play on.
and of course do make it all personal.